For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Bolio. The humanitarian crisis unfolding in Ukraine amid widespread destruction and death is getting uglier by the day, if not by the minute. More than 4 million refugees already have fled the country, and another 4 million people may leave Ukraine in the weeks ahead. While the sheer cruelty of the situation is hard to fathom, it is yet another emergency to which the nonprofit AmeriCares is responding. Over the past four decades, AmeriCares has provided support to refugees and migrants in areas of need across the globe. In fact, it responds to more than 30 natural disasters and humanitarian crises worldwide each year, establishing long-term recovery projects and bringing disaster preparedness programs to communities vulnerable to disasters. With emergency response teams on the ground in Poland and Romania, AmeriCares has delivered 20 tons of medicine and medical supplies to Ukraine. It is also working with local organizations to provide mental health support to those who have experienced trauma. To discuss efforts of AmeriCares in Eastern Europe, I am joined by Jed Selkowitz, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at the nonprofit. Jed provides both strategic leadership and hands-on tactical execution of the marketing and communications. He spent 10 years at the Coca-Cola company in brand marketing and entertainment marketing roles and later worked in the entertainment industry. Jed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ken. Great to be here. I have to ask, how are you holding up these days in your team in light of everything that's going on in the world today? Uh, well, I appreciate you asking. We're doing we're doing okay. And, uh, you know, as an emergency response ethos organization, this is um, something that we're accustomed to, although maybe not so much in acute war like this situation, but given that we respond to over 30 disasters each year, our team is accustomed to, you know, spikes in activity and, and need around the world. And so even though this one is hitting a little closer to home for some, many, you know, of our, of our worldwide employees have family or friends with roots in Ukraine. Uh, and obviously we see the effects of, of the crisis on neighboring countries. But as professionals, it's our job just to focus on the need and uh, and to make sure that we're responding effectively. Jenny, are you in uh, constant communication with the response teams? Yeah, so we have a single point of contact during disasters on my team who maintains constant communication with our emergency re response team. Um, some are based here in the United States who are helping to facilitate uh, the response from headquarters. and then. Others are based, as you mentioned, in Poland and Romania. And so it is a, uh, it's just an ongoing fluid conversation mm -hmm. that we have with our responders so that we're getting the most up-to-date information uh, and supporting their needs. How does this situation in Ukraine compare to other large-scale efforts? You know, we've been supporting refugees, migrants, and, and what we call in internally displaced people in many parts of the world, uh, including Syria, Yemen, Colombia, Bangladesh, uh, and actually even here in the United States, even though we don't always think about it that way. In, in the last 10 years alone, we've worked with refugee populations in really more than a dozen countries. I would say that the scale of the Ukraine crisis and just how rapidly people is quite significant. Actually, the updated numbers are that there are more than 5 million people displaced across more than half a dozen countries now. One positive difference, I would say, is uh, it, with this crisis is just how welcoming neighbor countries uh, have been to refugees fleeing Ukraine. 
Many have been invited into private homes and are receiving assistance, registering their children in new schools with meals. So that has been uh, at least a positive part of this. Um, this is going to be a very long protracted relief effort, uh, even if there is a ceasefire or an end to the war in the near future. And we're prepared to support the Ukrainian people long term. As I mentioned at the top, Jed, you've been responding to um, situations like this for over four decades. Can you just talk a bit about the challenges of mobilizing an effort like this, especially amid a war? Yeah. So mobilizing medicine and medical supplies across uh, the border during a war has been complex uh, and certainly a logistical challenge. Uh, but we've actually been successful. Uh, we're fortunate to have logistics experts with you know decades of experience working around the clock on this. We also had to quickly establish relationships with organizations in Poland and Ukraine uh, as we've not worked in either country recently. Mm -hmm. uh, but our emergency response team was able to quickly build relationships on the ground. Uh, and we're currently working with over 30 organizations in three countries, Ukraine, Poland, and Romania. Talk about um, some of the uh, ways that you're responding on the ground right now. So AmeriCares is focused on meeting the health needs of children and adults who are caught up in this crisis. Mm -hmm. um, we're delivering medicine, medical supplies, and, and supporting local organizations that are uh, assisting those displaced. There's a critical need right now for medicines and supplies, including antibiotics, insulin, uh, IV fluid, uh, wound care supplies, and trauma kits. Um, we've already shipped 30 tons of medicine and relief supplies uh, valued at around $4 million to Ukraine, and we have a dozen more shipments that are in the works. Um, mm -hmm. Our emergency response team is on the ground in Poland and Romania, and they're coordinating those shipments, and they're coordinating with local, national, and international response partners so that we're constantly understanding uh, the ongoing need. Uh, of the 5 million people who have uh, fled Ukraine since the invasion, more than half have crossed into Poland, where our response team is based. And so uh, to support that influx, we're providing emergency funding to organizations in Poland and Romania and in Ukraine. Um, and to date, we've actually awarded nearly half a million dollars in grants to 18 organizations. And mm -hmm. those funds support psychosocial services, training for staff and crisis counseling, uh, and also to help facilitate last mile delivery of medicines and medical supplies to partners in Ukraine. And then just one really specific example of where that funding goes, um, one, uh, one grant will support a month of funding for a specialty medical team that's mm -hmm. providing care to pregnant women and children fleeing to Romania. That's terrific. Can you talk a bit about the nature of the response team on the ground? Um, how large is it? Is it uh, volunteer based at all? Yeah, so, so we have a core group of professionals who are on our full-time staff that mm -hmm. are part of our emergency programs team, and they're always prepared to respond at a moment's notice. Members of that team have different specialties, whether it's uh, medical treatment, logistics, supply chain. Uh, and so depending on the nature of the response, uh, we'll deploy uh, different members of the team that can best meet the needs. Uh, also, uh, oftentimes, um, language ability is also something that we might consider when deploying members of our emergency response team, or we might even reach out to our broader staff uh, to contemplate who might be able to support the effort, uh, including somebody who might just go and help do translation services. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, we have something that we call the emergency response roster. 
This is uh, a group of thousands of volunteers who have gone through our emergency response training, um, which is sort of wow. hours worth of training around um, how to properly respond to a crisis and also how to do it the AmeriCare's way. And so those folks are signed up uh, and they commit to a minimum of sort of two weeks where they're always available to respond to a crisis. Um, but what we also do is when something like this takes place, we reach out to that roster and um, we seek out very specific expertise. And we do in fact have members of the roster that have joined up with uh, our emergency response team. So we obviously cover the cost of their being there uh, and depending on the nature of their assignment, they're uh, either reimbursed for that or they do it on a volunteer basis. One of your planned activities on the ground uh, is to offer mental health counseling to workers. Is that one aspect of your global efforts that often gets overlooked by consumers? It, it really does. Uh, it's, it's actually a really overlooked area of uh, emergency response in general, um, particularly supporting the responders. So it, it's really an important part of our work, mental health. Um, whether we're responding to a natural disaster like a tornado or a hurricane or um, supporting frontline health workers over the last two years for the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, for our Ukraine response specifically, we plan to offer uh, mental health and psychosocial support training to staff of local organizations in Poland and Ukraine, assisting refugees and internally displaced uh, populations. We will be offering um, capacity building activities to support staff who are experiencing compassion fatigue or vicarious trauma. Um, and we also plan to offer training in psychosocial first aid and trauma-informed care. How long is that process to, to go through when you're, you have to like mobilize really quickly? So, so we have, uh, at AmeriCares, we have a technical unit that has different areas of, of medical experts. One branch of that technical unit is our mental health and psychosocial group. Mm -hmm. So we have a number of uh, full-time mental health professional staff who have developed curriculum uh, that we use all over the world for our mental health um, training mm -hmm. uh, and treatment. And so that staff will deploy uh, the mental health training that we've developed, certainly doing whatever customizations are necessary to meet the needs right. um, locally. And uh, we'll go about finding partner organizations who would benefit um, from that work. And then what we'll do is we'll, we will do direct uh, training of those um, health workers and humanitarian workers uh, to provide to, you know, to essentially help them build up their own capacity mm -hmm. uh, and, and acknowledge both their own uh, personal mental health trauma that they might be experiencing, especially over a long protracted disaster, or for them to be able to identify the symptoms of mental health trauma in the people that they're working with. Hello, Beyond Profit listener. If your business is finding it challenging to define its purpose, I encourage you to download Discovering Brand Purpose, a complimentary playbook from the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. This robust playbook provides valuable advice from purpose experts on how to uncover the why of your business and ensure it's authentic and sustainable. You can download the playbook at ana.net slash brand purpose. That's ana.net slash brand purpose. Now back to the show.
So I'd mentioned at the top that you're a longtime marketer and, you know, marketers by nature have to strike an optimistic tone in messaging. Um, so my question for you is, you know, how difficult has it been to do just that to maintain sort of a positive light um, in, in your campaigns with the worth worsening situation in Ukraine? Yeah, it's never easy in the middle of a crisis to strike a positive tone, especially uh, when our teams are witnessing such devastation and despair. But the Ukrainian people are optimistic, hopeful, and determined. And so my feeling as a marketer is that we must match that mm -hmm. uh, while also sort of delivering context of what's happening on the ground. We must obviously establish the need, right? So that's critical. Um, but we also want to focus on the incredible response to the crisis, the humanity uh, being shown by people in neighboring countries, especially Poland, mm -hmm. and, and also the positive stories of resilience. Uh, we also want our supporters to know that their financial support is saving lives and improving health and ultimately providing a pathway for Ukrainians to recover um, from what is an unimaginable tragedy. Good. You have a lot of experience in entertainment marketing, uh, as I mentioned. What lessons can you bring to the table from, from those roles in this specific job that you have now? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I really, I feel like I call on my experience, whether it was being a brand manager at Coca-Cola or forming entertainment partnerships uh, in the entertainment community. And that is often a huge part of a, an emergency response. Mm -hmm. AmeriCares has 40 years of experience responding to complex disasters and ongoing health needs, but we don't do it alone. We have over 200 uh, corporate partners who support us in various ways, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's cash contributions, gift in kind, uh, or, or, uh, or, or other uh, intelligence support. Mm -hmm. And so on a lot of levels, I call on that, the need for strategic partnerships, the need to collaborate, um, but also uh, going the other direction in terms of being a fully integrated marketing organization. So we've built uh, at AmeriCares a, an in-house agency. Uh, and so we have built the capacity within our organization to effectively mobilize content which is so critical in order to be able to provide context to what's happening on the ground and ultimately uh, really deliver trust back to our donors and supporters that their dollars are going to the right place. So we are, uh, you know, we're, we have a multimedia team that uh, we will either deploy them or, uh, which I did, I deployed a member of my team to Poland to capture content and stories uh, and, and what we're doing on the ground uh, and then we might deploy, uh, you know, contractors uh, who are already in Ukraine. But really, it's it's about bringing those stories and providing a voice uh, to those who are caught up in this crisis. And so there's obviously content production. There's media buying and media syndication decisions that have to be made. Uh, we're partnering with with others like the Entertainment Industry Foundation or Outfront Media who are providing us with uh, PSA outdoor billboard support. So I really rely on sort of thinking as a, as a holistic integrated marketer in, in trying to amass you know, attention to the response. Mm -hmm. Are there any specific marketing tactics, Jed, that are working particularly well right now? 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll sort of like walk you through, you know, sort of the, the components of how we work in a, in a crisis. And on sure. some level, it's not so different than, an, than a for-profit brand. Um, in, in any emergency, we start by announcing that we're responding. And so what we then do is do outreach to media outlets and other influencers of donations. Uh, believe it or not, How to Helpless are our top referral of contributions outside of our direct donor outreach. Um, we have a really strong direct response program. So we immediately deploy uh, email to our list. We do paid digital, social, and then uh, traditional mail uh, follows. By the way, traditional mail still does work. We do a lot of PR and media outreach to secure interviews with local and national media outlets, um, you know, appearances on platforms like MSNBC's Morning Joe or CNN uh, can immediately result in hundreds of thousands of dollars of donations. So it's just invaluable. Uh, and then we also have the support of influencers and longtime supporters like Jennifer Aniston or Tony Goldwyn, um, who amplify our response through their social media platforms. And then finally, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we've pushed out of home out there, digital uh, radio and video ads, all of which are produced in-house. Uh, and we've received really strong PSA support from partners like the Entertainment Industry Foundation, uh, Outfront Media, and a ton of, um, of local and national radio outlets across the country who are pushing out our, our message. Mm -hmm. Talk a bit about the, the critical importance, actually, of giving Ukraine, Ukrainians a voice in your storytelling. Yeah. One of the most important things that we do is, is provide a voice um, for those we partner with around the world. Uh, and that includes those who are receiving aid. Uh, it's really um, critical that we hear from those who are immediately impacted by a crisis uh, and that we, uh, as an organization, not solely control the narrative through, uh, you know, sort of a pure marketing lens. Uh, survivors of a crisis deserve to have agency over their stories. And so, uh, we deploy photographers and videographers. We always seek permission first, and then and then obviously want to capture that firsthand story. This is also really important for our supporters or our donors. Uh, our content and the stories that we bring back truly help to validate their trust in Americares uh, and demonstrates the impact. When there's uh, honestly, unfortunately, um, often cynicism about where. Uh, whether or not humanitarian aid reaches its intended beneficiary. Mm -hmm. What's your message to other brand marketers about leaning into purpose during times like these? I guess my message would be not just to lean in, but to jump in and to do so with trusted organizations like AmeriCares who have been doing this work for decades. You know, supporting the Ukrainian people or any humanitarian effort um, can't be performative. It has to be genuine. Um, and sometimes that includes putting your brand last. Uh, I'd also tell brands not to underestimate the power of purpose for employee engagement. First, there are millions of Americans with family in Ukraine or with roots in Ukraine, um, my family among them. This is a very stressful time for them. And one way uh, that companies can be supportive of their, of their staffs is by demonstrating support for the Ukrainian people. And then you know, lastly, I, I would suggest putting your whole company into a nonprofit relationship. So not just cash or product donations or only having your CSR department manage those relationships, but through the power of brands, you know, media investments, uh, executive uh, loan programs, uh, other employee engagement mechanisms, right? Really just putting your full selves and your full company 
uh, behind behind nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. You you talked about putting your brand last, and I'm sure for some folks that's a difficult concept to wrap your head around. How difficult of a challenge is it that? I think it varies de- depending on the companies that or partners that we work with. There are mm-hmm. many organizations that want to just provide support to Americares and don't want or need the acknowledgement. And then there are other brands who uh, who do. Uh, it's not so much that they're seeking a spotlight, but I think I mentioned employee engagement. One of the real um, things that they want is they want for their employees to know that they're an altruistic brand and that their efforts are genuine. Uh, and that's where when we have long-term partnerships with companies, mm-hmm. that builds trust with your employees and with your consumers or customers that you're not just doing this uh, to gain favor with them for a moment. I mean, we've seen that with many different movements in the last two years where there are certain brands that you know have been supporting uh, uh, certain uh, humanitarian causes or mm-hmm. movements for decades. And so when they amplify that or step that up, it's clearly seen as genuine and part of their ethos, but it's also obvious when brands that have never before been part of that cause jump in and put their brand first, as opposed to supporting and amplifying a cause or a humanitarian effort and watching and learning and listening for a little while. And then once they build credibility in that movement, uh, then ultimately moving their brand up the ladder in terms of exposure. Lastly, Jed, how can brands support your efforts right now? What's your what's your message to them? So first, donations are critical, and I know mm-hmm. uh, I know that sounds salesy, Ken, but the most important thing any corporation or individual can do is provide do- donations to trusted, uh, well ranked amongst the watchdogs, experienced NGOs. Um, and if you genuinely produce something that is needed in Ukraine, like medicines or medical supplies, donating gift in kind at scale is also incredibly helpful. Second, I would say helping to amplify humanitarian efforts. Your brands are so powerful, whether it's uh, their media buying power or social media influence, uh, engagements with their own celebrity endorsers, or even just the sheer mass of their worldwide employees. Um, you know, the, the added value that comes with a major media buy for a big brand is often the equivalent to an entire nonprofit's annual media budget. So just donating some of that to a nonprofit, if they can fill the space, uh, is really, really valuable. And then um, finally, I would encourage brands to go beyond just Ukraine with nonprofit partners. So we often hear from new brands during a disaster, and certainly many become long-term supporters. So I would encourage all brands to vote to devote some time to learning about nonprofits they support that go beyond just the Ukraine crisis. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you so much for joining me in the podcast today. Um, I can't thank you and your organization for everything you're doing around the globe and certainly wish you the best of luck in Ukraine. Thank you. And thank you. And, and thank you to the ANA for providing a platform for nonprofit brands um, to, to give voice uh, to those that we're supporting around the world. So thank you. To learn more about AmeriCares or to donate to the nonprofit, please visit americares.org. That's americares.org. If you would like to recommend a guest for the podcast or a topic, please email me at brandpurpose at ana.net. That's brandpurpose at ana.net. Until next time, thanks for listening.